nerds walked into a bar. An argument ensued about who the goats are. The seed was a thought that would turn into a part. Now fans worldwide say, not a bad job, the ad hoc cab squad who chronicles the vanguard of hip hop at large. Rap taste slacked off, don't need to be mad, dog. Look no further, it's the dad bod rap pod. pod. Podcasting live from San Jose, California. Hello, universe. This is Nate LeBlanc. Um, got a slightly different episode for you guys today. We are all over the place. Um, Dave, David Ma, my co-host and good friend, and Damone Carter, our host with the most, are on assignment, as we say. So I'm going to be holding it down for you today um, instead of our usual banter between the three of us um we're bringing you double the interviews double the fun i haven't had double mcgum in a long time but i've somehow locked myself into talking about it so first up i'd like to please encourage you to follow us on social media we have a twitter at dadbod rap pod where we're talking rap with uh anyone and everyone until they get blocked We've got an IG where we're posting stuff about the show, reposting stories from artists we're interested in, events we're doing. Sometimes I put my records on there. Kind of need to throw some Diamond D records up there now that I think about it. We've got a Patreon, patreon.com slash dadbodrappod. We've got a whole secret society happening in there, talking music all the time with the show's most passionate listeners. Um, It's extra stuff. Um, that people pay for behind a paywall, and we're growing and changing it and trying new ideas there all the time. Also, like to let you know this week that I am the guest interviewer on Open Mike Eagles podcast here on the Stony Island Audio Network called Secret Skin. I have an hour-long chat with um, our podcast network founder and friend of the program, Open Mike Eagle, about his excellent album, Brick Body Kids Still Daydream. Um, that went live yesterday, Wednesday. You're hearing this on Thursday, or you're hearing it sometime in the future, and the date doesn't matter that much. So up first, we've got a group interview with the Wrecking Crew. Um, we, you know, these are our buds, um, our fellow podcasters and uh, workers in the content minds, also dope artists on their own. We've got Small Pro back again. Um, Small Pro is one of our favorite producers. We've got Zilla Rocca. Um, who was our first ever guest here on Dad Bod Rap Pod, um, and one of the first people to ever think our name was clever, and that's how we found each other online. So he will always hold a storied place in our history, plus just a dope guy. We've got Curly Castro, um, you know, a phenomenal MC, someone who has an inimitable vocal tone and approach to rapping. And then we've even got a uh, cameo appearance by Prem Rock, um, who was at the bodega, um, waiting in line for a chopped cheese um, when he, that's New York stuff. I don't really know if that's what he was doing at all, but um, he popped in for a minute. Super dope to see him. Um, Prem, one of the best writers in um, this lane of hip hop right now, and um, always good to talk to him. So you guys check out this interview with the Wrecking Crew about their new album, Sedale Threat. And then right after that, there's going to be some music. And then don't be confused. It's a different interview. We've got. Brian Ennels, Infinity Knives, the gentleman behind the one of the most interesting records of the year from our perspective. It is called King Cobra. 
like the malt liquor, I assume, maybe the type of animal. I don't know. I didn't ask him that. I asked him a bunch of other stuff, including what their names mean. I've been dying to know that. Um, these guys are from Baltimore. They are doing things differently. Um, they make an incendiary form of rap music that must be heard to be believed. And I think if they can keep keep the momentum going, yeah, you're going to be hearing a lot about them in the future. They made a really, really dope record that we highly recommend you checking out. And then we're just kind of kind of leave it there because uh, we probably would do a big segment talking about the Danger Mouse and Black Thought record. But since the fellas are not here today, we will pick that up another time. There's always more to talk about here in this wacky world of hip hop. So please enjoy our interviews with the Wrecking Crew and Brian Ennels and Infinity Knives. This is Nate LeBlanc for Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dadbot Rap Pod. Every week we interview guests that are moving and shaping, sometimes participating in and commenting on hip-hop culture simultaneously. This week is no different. We have most of the wrecking crew in the building. Uh, we have Zilla Rocka. How you doing? Yep. What's up, man? Small professor back. Um, I think his second appearance this month. What's going on? <laughs> oh, yeah. Again and again. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, friend of the program. Curly Crastro, what's going on? You, what's happening? Right on. Um, so you guys have the new album, Sedale Threat. Um, from my perspective, it seems like it's doing extremely well. Um, first question is for Zilla. You have okay. so, between all you guys, you have all your solo stuff, different groups within the kind of the crew, the friend group, the rubric. How do you decide when it's the appropriate time to do a, a group team up album like this um this particular album started i think like late 2020 after we already had blue edwards we had me and small pro i think at that point we're pretty like pretty well into never at peace the career crooks album and then shrapnel came out uh i think midnight suns dropped cargo colta dropped it was it was COVID. And, right. Uh, so COVID think, productivity yeah 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 so i i think we were just kind of like well this is the best time because Usually Prem will be crisscrossing, you know, doing a lot of shows and hanging out with Fresh Kills in Toronto doing records. And then he and Castro did their thing. And then, you know, we're, we're all soloists. So I, I just felt like being trapped <laughs> indoors was like, this is it. Like, why not? And we and by that point of that year, that was our most success solo and collectively we ever had. So it felt like, you know, business wise and we're trending upwards and people are paying attention we should capitalize on it and we have the time to do it and we have enough resources and incredible producers and rap homies to contribute so i, I think it was i think that was a dream like if, if covid didn't happen i don't know i don't know if the record would have hit like that you know what i mean yeah Smalls, what, are, what are you moving a ladder what are you doing bro? <laughs> doing some laundry you're all right over there man you moving moving a, a refrigerator well, Castro inspired me to uh, get my smoking situation. Mm, oh, okay, I see good. how it is. Everybody gets to smoke except for me. All right. All right. 
Um, Castro, first of all, want to ask um, how you feeling? Are you are you recovered? I'm good. Recovered now, I can't say that, but I'm good. Okay, cool. Well, uh, we're always, you know, sending you our best wishes and hope you're on the road to recovery at least. Um, can you just talk to me a little bit about how you approached this record? Did you did you try to bring something different because it's in a group setting? Or are you just trying to get as many references in as possible? Like, what was the philosophy as you went into recording Sedale Threat? Oh, um, well, as far as this record, I was, I'm, I was the lead horse. So, um, you know, depending on the project and who has like the free time, mainly one person will become like the lead, the, the lead horse, the pace car, whatever. So for this project, that was my job. Um, so I was the one that kept uh, reiterating our schedules and uh, checking on verses and uh, you know, organizing some of the features and. I mean, we were pretty communicative through the whole thing, but I was pretty much the, um, the lead engine. Right on. As far as this record. Yeah, sounds good. Um, Smalls, I know you contributed some of the beats, but not all of them for the record. Uh, which was your favorite beat of the packs that you didn't produce? Oh, that was uh, Crooked Leg, Culture. Blow your hair back. Here I come. Uh, here I come. Uh, uh, gotta ride that lightning. That will always be my first pick. Nice, nice. Uh, uh, when I first heard that, I was just blown away. It sounded like something I might do, but it was like, very different at the same time. Like I was trying to figure out how they made that beat. I never, I still haven't figured it out because I know the sample. Okay. You know what I mean? But yeah, that, that joint always bugged, bugged me out. But, and I like, you know, how, how everybody approached it, but that's definitely uh, my, my, my standout. Awesome. Um, Zilla, how much do you think you guys doing call out culture and the kind of outreach that you do with other rappers and your kind of commentary on rap has led to the group's steady increase in exposure. Do you think it plays a part? That's a yo, that's a great question, bro. Um me and Castro talked about this a while back where it's like it's the one thing in our schedule that's always locked in for the last three years. And so we used to have a schedule like that recording. Um, years ago when I when I had various studios before I became a family man a well-documented family man and uh, so we used to have a schedule like that where we knew we would see each other just about every day to record and then once that changed up the show became a way to do it it's like poker night with your boys so I feel like having that in there then it also keeps us up on yo have you checked this person out yo I don't know who they are oh dang we shouldn't get them on the show or oh did you know I'm friends with such and such no I didn't know that so it really just opens up our Rolodexes between, you know, Alaska who's been around for 66 years because he's 102. <laughs> and then, you know, but the, but, it, but the jokes aside, like it, we're, we're all still intrigued and studying and being open to new stuff while also thinking back on things we've been hearing and listening to and pondering for 30 years as fans. So I think, I think having that frame of mind and then also getting people on the show, um, 
that we don't know at all. And then we become really cool with them and vibe with them. Um, and then we become collaborators and friends. It's the coolest, you know what I mean? Because before it's like, you would just try to build that with someone doing a bunch of shows or seeing them in the spot or being on the same bill over the course of like two, three years. Whereas now you can book them and talk for like 90 minutes, two hours and build that same connection. Yeah. That, that's super interesting. Um, Castro, I'm interested in your perspective on this as well. Have you um, found that the show influences your music much? Um, me personally, no. Um, in fact, I'm sometimes naive to the reach the show even has. So mm. It's just become a, um, you know, a weekly act. And so sometimes I'm just in it and I'm not necessarily noticing the impact it has, but we have set up, we haven't set up in, in an infrastructure type way where it will have an effect, you know, whether I notice it or not. Right. Um, but I know it helps, but like, I don't think because, cause I, I, cause I have to be honest, like if we do like six topics in a row, I don't see the, that making it into my t- material if I'm writing during that time, you know, and that's, that's, that's the way I would think about the show in right. material. Um, as far as our outreach and stuff like that and our consultations, we definitely take our own advice. We're not, you know, we, we even here, you know what I'm saying? So like, yeah. we definitely will give out jewels and we'll employ ourselves. And there's definitely, I'm, I'm getting a whole another angle of perspective, just being friends with Alaska. Right. So that has strengthened my career, just being friends with him outside of, of the show and doing the show has helped adjust my perspective and open my eyes up to a lot of things. So I'm, I'm very grateful just to be that close to him to get that, you know what I mean? But like, but I know what you're asking me, but as far as like a direct thing where the show kind of influenced art and our show, I don't, I don't think, not in my, it doesn't line up time-wise. Like yeah, maybe, for sure. you know what I'm saying? But like yeah. not direct. Yeah, no, I hear you. Um, Smalls, what's your productivity level like these days? When you come on, I mean, we, we had you on a couple of weeks ago. It seemed like you were putting out an album a month. Uh, not to bust your balls, but you didn't even mention the Torito album that came out like the next day. And I was like, he has another album. How does he have another album? (laughs) Ridiculous. Are you, are you still in like beast mode? Making out so many beats. (laughs) Yeah. Straight up. Cause he don't tell us shit either. (laughs) Um, I think this, this year is again, um, a result of, uh, 2020. Okay, that's so interesting. And we all, yeah, we all were just very busy that year. So a lot like the Vic Spencer project started that year as well. And, you know, that kind of that spark kind of spilled over until the next year. So, um, you know, I've just been trying to crank them out, trying to keep the crew, you know, fed and trying to, you know, bump my own stats. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to average thirty and ten for the year, you know, you get that, you get that salary bump, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. That makes Yo, sense. Carl Malone, bro, <laughs> my, my, minus the, you know the underage issues that he has with the young lady. Yeah, yeah chill, <laughs> chill, <laughs> Um, on that note, Castro, you guys did the first kind of round of tweets announcing the new Shrapnel project. Anything you can share with us about that? Yeah, um, uh, depending on when this airs, it's coming out um, at the end of this week. Um, It's called Metal Lung. Uh, I think people will be um, pleasantly surprised, I'll put it like that. Um, 
we we made a certain statement and expression on the first record, and this is a whole nother expression and a whole nother statement. Um, Still to Dove handles the majority of production. We also have contributions from Olaf, Melander, and um, Child Actor. Uh, we've got Rob Sonic on the record. We got Facts One on the record. Also, my homegirl Ethel C on the record. Ethel C, the illest. Yes. yes. Yeah. What? She don't I'm not have for anybody. Who's that? Uh, so man, Ethel is like um, just go by Smalley Phenom. In the 2000s, she was killing it on Philly. She kind of semi-retired, um, but um, she's always been real close with me and stuff. So if I need to, I can hire a pitch. But yeah, you'll see Nate. All right, you'll, you'll see. Check you'll her see. out on Wu Tang Pulp. She does. She does bring bring the pain. Oh, okay. With the Wu Pulp record. Yeah, awesome. she did that awesome. solo. Yeah, that was the last record crew thing that she was involved. Well, was a, a Wu Pulp project. But yeah, um, it should be a good time. A lot of blades. So, you know, just be careful. Keep your disinfectant and <laughs> alcohol wipes around. A lot, of, <laughs> a lot of stitching. So, yeah. Um, Zilla, back to Sadale Threat for a minute. Um, yeah. Do you have a favorite guest verse or someone who surprised you with something or someone oh, who brought man. a different flavor to it that uh, you want to highlight? Um, who was my favorite guest? Uh, I mean, casual. It, it was crazy to 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 get like a two day turnaround with that type of verse. Wow. And shout out to David Mom hooking us up. Um yeah, see that's what I'm saying. Podcast open doors, bro. Um, <laughs> casual, like me and Castro used to sit in my spot and play his verse on uh the Think Differently joint where it's like him, Rock Marcy, Tragedy Gaddafi, and Vortal. And we were just we stuck off that verse. Yeah. And so, you know, like I, my my favorite casual is like the Smash Rockwell joint. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I like like a little later era, but um, hearing him getting that verse, him talking that shit, him saying our names, him saying Prem's name all while he calling him Prem, which is even doper than Prem. Yeah. Toxic masculinity, chauvinistic player holding a biscuit. They like hold up, it's the mayor. We rode up and risked it. Small Zilla Rock and Curly and Prem. I left playing with the girl in your dreams. It's a sad bet. It was, it was, it's one of the things where like, I just saw this funny thing like about how it takes men like longer to process things than women. So like if people hit you with crazy news, you just kind of sit there, you're like, oh, what? Like people are like, why don't you have a reaction? You're like, I'm just, I'm like still processing this. It's like, now it's like, oh, when I see casual's name and our name next to it, I'm like, that's us. Yeah. Like that's us next to casual. We did that. Like, oh my I, God. I do have to make an addendum. Please. Oh, sorry, Nate. You asked me earlier if the podcast influenced the music. And I do have to admit that after we had gotten Breeze on the podcast is when I asked them to work with me. So that is an actual yeah. moment. Yeah, the networking aspect. Yes, that part. Yes. So, when he brought up, when he when he just brought up uh, David Ma, it was the casual connect that reminded me. Yes. Yeah, right on. Um, Castro, I want to ask you if you... Yep. We're the person who put this together. Let me know. If not, I can direct it elsewhere. How'd you guys get Bruiser Wolf? Um, How did we do that? That was a cold call, right? Oh, no. That was through, I think, Max Bell. Oh, okay. Yeah, Max, he connected us I think with Max Bruiser Wolf when we interviewed yeah, him as well. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know what it was? He was on idea. your show. He was on your show. And then uh, I, I think I asked you or Dave or somebody – like, how did you get a hold of him? And you're like, oh, through Max. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my man Max. 
So I reached out to Max, um, and just to see what what would happen, because because all of us I think were either really into him or like. Well, we had made a short list of some guests, right? And pretty early on, we were crossing off names that would be like not obvious, but just like typical, I guess. And so, like, it wasn't that Bruiser was like, you know, no, man, I'm not dissing. I love what he did, but it wasn't. He wasn't our first choice because we were kind of going through the line, like, all right, who? And then then you get to a point where like, who can you actually reach? Mm-hmm. Much less high in the sky, you know, ideas. And then we wanted to to catch people off guard. We was like, yo, Bruiser's new enough and fresh enough. People wouldn't expect that. And he's still in the mix. And and the other good thing is, um, just to be honest, not saying we want him to do otherwise, but he doesn't, he didn't oversaturate his market yet. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a right. thing. Yeah. And, and so, like, it's still real valuable to get his feature work because he hasn't done a million things just yet. So we so, thought that was. And just sonically, it's he's still a breath of fresh air. Like that's yeah. one of my main uh, sense memories from the first time I ran your guys' record. It's like when he comes on, it kind of it just clears things up. There's just space <laughs> in between the words, and he has that like you know real high voice, and it's just it's, it's so me like an injury. <laughs> <laughs> he just he just, he just in, in control of his pimp. That's pretty much what it feels like. He's in control of his pimping. You know what I'm saying? He's totally, fully in control of what he was doing. Yep. You gave him the concept. You know, you listen to it. You're like, is he sticking to it? He is. He's totally sticking to it at the end of the line. Yeah. So um, just to double up parallel, that, that would be my favorite feature. Yeah. Oh, no. No. To be honest, it was, I always wanted to work with Reef in an official capacity. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's definitely a name that um, I think is like kind of a generation earlier. Of right. Philly underground stuff, right? Am I am I tripping? No, no, yeah, no, no. Def- like I have, like say, the half generation. He's still pretty active, okay. But he definitely was like um, first wave Jedi mind tricks. Reef was right there. Yeah, um, like he's the he's a year older than me, but he was like he had like a four year head start. Yeah, you know, just active <laughs> like, a little earlier. Yeah, like I, when I first did started doing shows, Reef was headlining every show in Philly. Oh boy, oh gold coldest winner in me. Time of all the blood of a hundred engines in me indigenous vengeance in me i bust your head and hit the cha-cha slide that's the nigga in me beat the style deep and vile with a creepy smile beef he's a child pussycat selena cow you keep it mild i prefer the cajun flavor Why would you- oh there's prem rock sliding yeah, in look at this look at this dude on the train no less he's connecting the audio no he's in the front, he's in the front. Oh, there he goes up, man? yo how you <laughs> Yo, up, man? Uh, you know, chiming in from a liquor store in Chelsea. <laughs> when, you're, nice. you're so debonair. Grab, one, grab us a 22 and some that. papers, please. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. For sure, for sure. What's going uh, on, guys? Yeah, doing good. Thanks for thanks for joining. Um, just yep. let, uh, you know, I don't want, don't want to keep you. It looks like you're out and about. But just tell us a little bit about um, what you had in mind for this uh, group project? Like, what was what did you think your role was on Sedale Threat? Um, honestly, it was, like, probably the easiest project I've ever been a part of because it was, like, you know, cliches of, like, you know, brotherhood or band of brothers or whatever. But it just felt like having fun, like, you know, shooting around with your friends. And then we're like, all right, let's get competitive, you know? And then when you get competitive, you want to win the game. So I'm going to try to, like, have the best verse. But I'm like... Obviously not going to be salty if I don't have it. But, yeah. uh, I, I mean, I knew what they wanted out of me, and, and it, it was super easy. Came second nature, and, you know, it was a blast, honestly. 
Right on. Yeah. I mean, uh, just a lot of well-written verses from you as I have come to expect and, you know, just respect for your pen game. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. Um, Just real quick, uh, because I don't think we got a chance to catch up about it really. Like talk to us a little bit about the Occam's blazer. Like where did that come from? Have you been working with those cats for a long time? Like just give us the brief synopsis if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. Um, So I've known those guys for a while. We kind of got paired together on a, on a run uh, when I was in Europe a long time ago with uh, with Fresh Kills. And uh, they're a really talented uh, kind of prog, jazz, funk group out of uh, Vienna. But they kind of they kind of span different cities in, in Europe, but they're mostly based in Vienna. So we had an amazing show with them. And so they were kind of like every time we'd go back there, we'd set up these DIY gigs with them. And uh, we'd like just, you know, crush it for like, 75 people who were really, really into it. The money was scarce because you're splitting it all these ways, but it was a right. lot of fun. So the one time we're, we're setting up the tour, me and Fresh Kills, uh, the, the guys are like, hey, we, you know, we want to work on something with you. And they were being very vague, and we didn't know how uh, it was going to happen. So, uh, you know, Kills is kind of like, hey, we have to set aside three days in Vienna. And I'm like, well, that sounds crazy because we're on tour. <laughs> like, why, uh, you know, like, yeah. what, what's... Why what's, stop the momentum? <laughs> exactly so why do that but anyway they, they, they're like very insistent and uh so we when we get to vienna they had rented out a whole studio with multiple rooms uh for the entire three days and so we made every jam from scratch uh together and it was a really 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 fun uh informative process uh to just kind of wander around while i kind of wrote on the spot and you know i, I fine-tuned it a little bit later but uh really organic kind of rare to do that these days and uh wouldn't trade the experience it was it was it was great i got a lot of respect for those guys just ethan hawk getting off the train wandering around all night <laughs> writing rhymes <laughs> hey, with a duffel bag hey, listen it's it, it's great it's it's great work if you could get it you know yeah. what i mean so, it's a really cool so record not, man that so doesn't sound like anything yeah. else this year and just, just thank you thank you yeah Absolutely. Thank you very much. Very much. Um, let's go lightning round. Uh, let's go Smalls, Castro, Prem, Zilla. Recommend me some music. What are you guys listening to? Does not have to be hip hop because Damone's not here. Ooh. Oh. Uh, I've been on my PJ Harvey wave since 2020 started, bro. Now we're talking. Like the whole, I never listened to her in my life. And then I caught her on, um, what's our show, Castro? Yellow Jackets. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I was yeah, just yeah. like I'm like, why have I never listened to her? It doesn't He's a make genius, sense, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, my, my favorite album of is, is the what's going, it's called like the City of the Sea. That mm-hmm. joint, yeah. What the what Tommy worked that record. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Listen to the Marianne Faithful record that she okay. did. It's kind of mm-hmm. like when the, they brought Johnny Cash back out with Rick Rubin and just had him do a stripped down thing. Marianne Ooh. Faithful has this record called Before the Poison that her and Nick Cave wrote a bunch of the songs and Ooh, like kind of like produce. It's so great. That's like a Nick favorite Cave. of mine. I think it's been well well documented about the uh, Infinity Knobs, Brian Ennels uh, record. Uh, you don't say. I was going to say, I was going to say King Cole. talked about that. I'm the Great fucking album. PR agent. I invoiced the label today. I'm like, yo, 1500, bitch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you really are. But, uh, you know, Major Shouts, uh, that record's incredible. I, I go back to it often and recommend it often. But, uh, that young Morpheus uh, Theravada record is pretty dope. Um, I put that on the other day, uh, doing uh, doing dishes and whatnot. I was like, like, "Oh shit, 
So really, I never, really I never talk that. about this um, stuff, and I might have to edit it out. But those are our next two interviews. Oh shit! Well, yeah, Brian, Brian and Infinity Knives are coming in five minutes in Young I, Orpheus I told tomorrow. him to cancel. I said, "Yo, I said, yeah, you're getting bumped." I said, "I'm, I'm taking up the dad bod show, so you might want to reschedule." They were like, yeah. "They're like, they're yeah. like, word, really?" I'm like, "Yeah, sorry." <laughs> um. Uh. So I actually, I know, I'll, I'll say one more, two more things, and then I'll, I may have to go. So do you uh, think? Do you think? Uh, jazz codes was was I had a really really like phenomenal experience with that album. Uh, just had a day off and like. I, I can't remember the last time I had such an enjoyable front to back listen. So shout out to More Mother. Yeah. Um, every, everyone on that record, Green, Green did an incredible job with that mix too. It's like ethereal, you know. I was like, holy mm. shit! It was, it was like a, it was, I, it was a viscerally blissful experience listening to that album front to back. I was also stoned, so so add that to the mix. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, and I don't, and I, I don't smoke a lot, so it was, it was quite experience. But then, uh, then I listened to uh. That Koreatown Oddity joint that oh, was really good. That. I gotta play that. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm into to it. Our, uh, our community slightly uh, not on the fence. They're kind of not feeling it as much as we are. I'm into it. I it's... think the conceit of it is really interesting. I don't know exactly what he's trying to say, but the songs are good enough to hold it up. No, no, me neither. My uh, my my partner, she's British, and she didn't quite get it at all. She's like, I don't really know what's going on. But that's, that's all right. You, know, you don't have to yeah. understand art. You know? For sure, I like it. Right on. Um, I, I do have to roll. My, do you my, think my, my aunt is in town and she's waiting for me? So thanks, guys. Do you think? Thanks, Brian, and, brother. Uh, much love, Nate. You too, I'll talk man. To you guys later. All right. All right, you Smalls, Castro. You guys got any uh, any music you've been super into lately? I have an album um, that I've been going back to. It came out last year. Uh, the Birth of Lone Sword. Oh, that's a good record. Yeah, I I've been waking up like wanting to listen to it, so I'm gonna shout that out. And also, um, I think this album just turned two. Amani and King Oof. Gang, King Vision Ooh. Ultra. Yeah, King such Vision a good Ultra. record. I love that album, King Vision Ultra. Um, that just turned two, so I've been kind of going back to that, and um, you know, re. Re, uh, rediscovering Holyfield, Holyfield bro. Holyfield, yes, yes. real deal. Um, any updates you guys can give, and if not, no worries on uh, physicals for Sedale Threat. Is there's wax coming right someday? Uh, we just um, test press, yeah, we should most likely we should have some next month. Hell yeah, that's awesome, yeah. All right, guys, um, everyone go listen to Sedale Threat, all of the various solo projects, team-ups, call-out culture, small Dracno seven. Friday, Metal Dorito, <laughs> Small Girl, Pro, AJ Swade, Swade Small Pro, Vic Spencer, Small Pro, Career Crooks. <laughs> AJ Swade on vinyl comes out on Friday, too. Featuring oh, yeah, I have vinyl coming out on Friday. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hundred Andrew's copies. Album well, wait, let's make it ninety-nine copies. Uh, <laughs> All right, me, fellas. Me and, me and Andrew drop next month. Boom. Okay, I'm Remember looking forward to that. Like that. More yeah. music. I dug. I Thanks, dug my Andrew record. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you guys bro. for coming on. Always good to chop it up. Um, next time we'll do a little bit more of a theme thing, but I wanted to focus cool. on the record today. Yeah, man. Tell oh, tell Brian Edels he owes me fifty dollars. <laughs> my label owes me thirteen hundred. <laughs> And I want my money. Sounds good. For these days. All right. 
You guys take care. Later, All right, man. Nate. Peace. Peace. They say the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. You see your eagle and flag. I see your hood in a noose. My mom saw a cross burning when she was six to like seven. God is twisted as fuck, but they hung on to heaven. My whip is spinning with empty minis and hearts and cigars. On a highway to nothing, don't think I'll make it that far. Cause the space is all black and ain't no reaching the star. As the garage door closes, I start up the car. And, uh, Mama, if I keep my head Dad Bod Rap Pod, every week we talk to people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture. Sometimes we talk to people who are just destroying it, and that is the case this week. We have the MC Brian Ennels in the Zoom, and we have producer Infinity Knives joining us very shortly. Their record, King Cobra, is one of our favorites of the year, and we are here to talk about it with them. Brian, what's going on? Man, everything's good. You know, Dave, uh, David hit me up, you know, like um, a couple weeks ago and he finalized it last week. You know, I've been, um, I've listened to a few episodes. I'm not a huge podcast person, but I remember I was peeping Mike, um, Open Mike Eagles, uh, what had happened was. Mm. And, you know, you guys had the uh, the advertisements in front of that. So that made me check you guys out. And then, you know, when Dave hit me, I kind of, you know, connected the two and I was like, oh shit, you know, it was like, a semi full circle moment. So the, no, the system works good with me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the algorithm is fucking popping, but um, <laughs> nah, man, I nah. everything's good with me, man. I'm just, I ain't making no noise. I appreciate y'all having me on. It's a, it's, it's an honor for sure. Absolutely. We, I mean, you know, we'll get into this a little bit deeper. I mean, we're, we love King Cobra. Um, Sweet. Just lo- love everything about it. I mean, both of you guys just work in lockstep so perfectly. Um, but, you know, I mean, in general, I was just looking up um, some information about you guys. And obviously, yeah. I mean, not that much stuff exists because, you know, y'all are just sort of like um, on the underground. Can you give us a little sense of the uh, your guys' Genesis story? Like how, how you guys met, how you guys work together? And what's the what's that process like? Absolutely, man. Um, so... I came out with a solo album in 2013 uh, called Candy Cigarettes. I think the only place to get it now is like Dad Piff. Uh, But it's up there still. I think I checked it a couple weeks ago and it's good. Um, But Tyreek, who's like 10 years younger than me, um, he had got like a free CD copy at some studio he was working at at the time or or that he had stopped at. Created a Twitter account just to reach out to me and tell me how much he fucked with the record. Um... (laughs) solely for that purpose and uh asked me to come hang out and you know we um we were buddies for like a minute you know as he kind of because this is when right before he actually started producing like he was playing like bass a few instruments he wasn't even making beats at this time in in 2013 so i continued to kind of make music but not really put it out over the course of the next let's say five years or so and he became kind of a fixture um on this you know this scene that we had in baltimore um, as far as hip hop goes, uh, I came back to Baltimore after being in Jersey for a few years, like late 2018, um, 2019, he was finishing up an album, a solo record called Dear Sudan. Um, and he wanted me to be on it. And we knocked out like three records really quickly. Um, like a month after that, we were at a party, just like hammer. And he's like, yo, man, we, we were just fucking just doing hammered, man. Be honest. Be honest. Yeah, we, right. we, we, we were. 
we we were we were lit in more ways than one. We were partying. This, and he just this hit nigga me. took some. This nigga took some ketamine. <laughs> and he was like, oh, "Please, I, I get, no, no, I no. Lay I, down. I, I went, no, I, I went. The K hole was a whole different fucking night. Whole different night. This is this is more regular stuff. But yeah. So anyway, lying, so he, lying he, ass, so, Brian. There we go. So again. he came up. So he came up and hit me, and uh, and he was like, "Yo, there's still fucking EP." Uh, we worked for about four months after that. We did the album Rhino, which came out, you know, as the pandemic was peaking. Um, that kind of, you know, that that bubbled a little bit. It got some ears on us. And then right after that was done, um, kind of late 2020, after Rhino had dropped, we just kind of jumped right into, uh, we jumped right into King Cobra. That's dope. Uh, Infinity Knives, welcome to the show. He's Yo, here. Do do? Uh, He's lit. Yeah, thank you for I, I, joining yeah. us. I'm on my James, I'm on my James Brown shit right now, man. I can't even lie. Right on. Uh, <laughs> I feel good. <laughs> uh, it, it's so interesting to kind of peek into your guys' friendship a little bit because on right. the album, there's such a it's just a burst of energy. And I guess uh, I'll direct this question to you, Tariq. Like as a as a composer. Like what? What are you doing to bring that energy? Like, how do you prompt these performances? Do you get what I'm asking? Yeah. No. I mean, I sorta. I was because I was just. It's funny you mentioned that because I've actually been looking for composer jobs today. Just you know, because that's what I do for a living. And somebody I might be misusing me, the term slightly there. I guess I'm asking you more as a hip hop producer right now. But well, you know no, I mean. that's that's what I was getting at because um, today I had a I had a small talk. My roommate works in film. And she was, um, I ended up talking to somebody and they were like, so where'd you go to school? And I was like, I, I dropped out of high school. I never, I never pursued anything beyond that. I wasn't, I was a matter of fact that I had a teacher aide follow me around. Like I did, it wasn't until music where I, some, something clicked. However, hip hop was my first love from day one. I grew up in Madagascar. So the, the, the ex, the only thing I had sort of coming in for me was, Wu-Tang Clan, Tupac. So hip-hop will always be my first love, you know? And it wasn't until, you know, as, as I got through more music and listening to what my grandma was listening to that I got into Chopin and Eric Satie and all those French um, sort of like, uh, you know, nouveau, sort of newer composers and stuff like that. So hip-hop was always, is always going to be in my DNA. So, and I kind of feel sort of bad, like not bad, but like I, it's a very reverence-based for me so there's a lot of producers that do a lot of beat packs and i don't want to do that because i classical music fuck it you know it's academia whatever da, 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 da. but hip-hop to me is like so i love it i love rap man i love rap music you know so how do you coax these performances out of brian Enos? <laughs> to bring it back to oh. his question. Oh shit! I don't, I, oh, is that what you were asking? Oh, sorry. sort of. It's all good. <laughs> I, I, take liberties. I, Tell us about yourself. We love I, it. I, oh, sorry. I ain't gonna lie. I did, I did a lot. I, I did a little bit of coke tonight. Yeah. <laughs> all good. All good. No. Uh, no. Well, Brian is an old. Uh, you know, he he came from a time where you couldn't get beats easily, so you had to sort of develop different styles. And I can sort of be like, "Hey, Brian, here's a concept." And then Brian kind of, you know, sort of does the, uh, does, I mean, he sometimes pushes back a little bit, but I'm like, Hey, Brian, like, I know that he has the talent to do that. 
And there's, a, you know, and I don't want to disparage a lot of like, you know, people new coming into it, but Brian has an enough catalog in the back of his head where you could pull out from and sort of go on from there. That's how I coaxed it out of him. You know, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, thanks for that. Um, you know, so uh, thanks for that, Tariq. Um, and thank you for tapping in as well. Um, loving the production. Um, it's really cool getting to know your music. So hopefully we get a chance to get to know you a little bit more. Um, you mentioned Pac and Wu-Tang. And this question, actually, I want to bounce this back to uh, Brian, because uh, yeah. I read that I read that you cited cannabis and Inspector Deck as like huge um for sure, you know, sort of influences or people you look up to. And yeah. when I heard your music, it didn't necessarily st struck me that way. And and it, and it usually doesn't it doesn't necessarily need to. But I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that and how, you know, how they grabbed you as MCs and maybe how yeah. their work bleeds into your work. I mean, specifically, I think I wrote my first rhyme after um, you remember the DMX first cannabis tape, right? Uh, that mixtape was fucking huge. It's the first rhyme like. Uh, I speak of frequencies, dogs would have trouble hearing. Cannabis, the lyrical version of German engineering. Raw metaphors keep you high for months. Fly around the earth twice without refueling once. And I was like, oh! And like, because I wasn't, you know, I, I'm not like a street dude and shit, but I always, you know, I loved hip hop. It's like that, that like super over intellectual angle was kind of how I saw my end to like writing dope raps. Cause I'm like, all right, well he's doing this. And this is the lane I can kind of fuck with. Um, and, and I think him and Deck are similar in that sense. Um, like Deck's verse on Gangstars Above the Clouds was one that like, because um, I wasn't even familiar with Gangstar when they dropped Moment of Truth. A friend of mine put me onto it and then track five Above the Clouds comes on and Dex calling himself like a colossus and comparing himself to like all this hyper kind of religious, pseudo-religious metaphors and stuff. So that was just kind of like, that's how I started writing um, mm. sci-fi influenced or, you know, big syllables and stuff. And, and it's led up to the point where, you know, the, the influence may be a little hard to hear now because, you know, like Tyreek said, he kind of coaxes different performances out of me to get a certain vibe. Uh, but those guys are like my baseline. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, if you listen to the older stuff um, that I put out or if I'm just fucking freestyling and shit, you know, like that, 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 that cannabis deck is going to come out for sure. Right. I pose this question to both of you. Is there much Baltimore in this record? Like none. help us understand what none, none. Okay. It's just you guys <laughs> in your specific point of view. No, I mean, and it's not me, you know, trying to be like standing out, but we're kind of outliers. Not a lot of people like us here. I mean, we can pack a show here, but it's like very, it's a certain specific crowd. You know, because like, and dude, I'm not trying to hate on anybody, but everybody wants to sound like Atlanta. Everybody wants to sound like, and now, and now very recently Detroit. Um, and like, it's not as like, it's not as fertile for us to sort of set grounds, you know? Um, and that was kind of by design because I, and I, Brian and I were just like, well, what's missing? You know, what, what is, you know, I, I don't want to just like, because, okay, here's the thing about local musicians. It's just like, you go there and people go there to support. And I don't want people to, to just support us when we play live. I want people to actually have a good time. You know, I want people to actually like go in there and be like, this was an experience. Not like, oh, I went to help my homie out. 
You know what I mean? Right. Like, so what, so, um, so just because through that and like, it's super clickish. And so we had, and we get, we honestly, we get more love in Europe uh, more than anything. Like uh, it's been really hard getting shows here in the United States. And, you know, I mean, like I said, Baltimore is our hometown. So it's easy for us to like pack a small club, but otherwise like we're, we're like, it's not very, we, we don't really stand out in Baltimore. Brian and I talk about this shit all the time. Like, we we've tried, but no, it's yeah, like uh, yeah, sonically, know. yeah, sonically, there's no, you know, because the sound of Baltimore is obviously, you know, Baltimore club and shit. You know what I'm saying? Um, the hip hop scene that's emerged over, I guess, like the past ten years. Like Tyreek said, I mean, to be honest, doesn't really have a distinct sound yet. It is very much anymore. Like, I would you know, say I don't know yeah, about so, yet. I think anymore. Anymore, yeah, it's more of a trap thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um. So no, I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say this is a record based in anything Baltimore sounding at all. The record's bleak in a lot of ways. And in a lot yeah, of I mean, ways, Baltimore here, and, and a lot of ways, Baltimore City is fucking bleak. So that that vibe of it is probably just, you know, it's us. You know, that's part of us. Um, but you know, whatever sonics there are here now, you know, we we try to go left to whatever the fuck, you know, we thought we were hearing. Thank you, man. Uh, you know, I'm really glad you uh, touched on the European tour because I was going to ask you about it. I mean, you guys were in France and Wales and, you know, what was that experience like? And, and why do you think audience audiences there are perhaps more receptive to you guys than the ones here? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I mean, for yeah. one, the label, the label that so I like I, I was doing more experimental stuff with Brian in the mix a little bit. But the label that picked me up was more of a classical music record label, like a neoclassical music label. Which is that is Phantom I, Limb? Yes. Yeah, it's okay. Phantom Limb. Yeah. Uh, they don't, we're the only rap uh, acts on it. So okay. that's kind of, we got sort of grandfathered in through that. You know, um, I kind of coaxed my way back into it and then it just sort of worked out. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think the thing about it, when people in the United States hear us, and like, this is not just like us being cocky or anything, but like every time, you know, it hurts the most because we're like, what the fuck? How are you guys not famous? This is the best record. Every single project I drop is the same shit with Americans. You know what I mean? But it just so happened that I got picked up by a, a British label, you know? Mm. I mean, I'd love just, to play shows here in America. They just, they just love the shit, man. And it's like, when you go over there and you're American, it's like they feel like they're getting the real deal. You mm-hmm. know, it's not, I mean, here you can be great or you can be good, but there's a fucking million great American rappers in America. You know what I'm saying? You take it over there and this is what they're seeing on TV or, or what they want to be exposed to. And, and they feel like they're getting the real fucking deal. Yeah, you and don't I mean, have to try just, hard. You don't have yeah, to try, you don't hard try. Yeah. And, yeah, and they're generally just, you know, musically, they're, they're not, uh, from what we experience, you know, they're not like in a box in some ways. You know what I mean? They, they want to hear different shit. They appreciate some like left field shit. Yeah. That's just more so where their mind is in terms of what they're receptive to. It's just that they 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 tend to more. I don't know. We got some nerds. We got some nerds in America. America, too, America. Yeah, you do. And you get that. But like, you're, yeah, that's Europe us. Is yes, like a, we get Europe it. Is like a hey. Europe is like a continent of dad pod, rap pod people. You know what I mean? Like, the whole continent is you guys, as yeah. opposed to it being like a niche thing. You know what I'm saying? I, I need to expatriate. Um, do you guys know Quelle Chris? 
He's no, but we know he's in Baltimore now. Okay, right? I, I, I just I have to say it because he, you know, him and uh, his wife Jean Gray uh, started their careers in like as he's from Detroit. They were in Brooklyn right. for a long time. Now I understand they live in Baltimore. His new album, which is also one of our favorite albums this year, is about this specifically, uh, basically about how American audiences in particular will not give creative artists their flowers until they die. And so yeah. he's trying to get that death fame while he's still alive. Oh, and man, like, it's, that next, ah, Drake, that, it's that next Drake situation, you know? Mm, and I yeah. fear that that's like the... Nick Drake is what, uh, so I, you know, growing up learning guitar, Nick Drake has been like my, my major influence, yeah, you know, especially classically, classically yeah. speaking. And that's my biggest fear. And, you know, and we've, and we've heard at least locally people bite us hard, you know, and um, my biggest fear is sort of releasing this thing and seeing all these sort of like only critics saying like, this is amazing. I don't want that one young kid picking it up getting big off of it and be like oh that's you know i got this from Tariq and this and this and that, and that. that's my biggest fear man you know and like i i don't know like i personally i i just like i don't need i don't need that right now i do, i do not want to be i like quality chris i understand you completely yeah. i don't want that I hear you. He doesn't either, by the way. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Worth listening to the record called Death Fang. Great record. You might enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, quick, quick left turn here because I didn't ask at the beginning and I'd like to get it in. Uh, Brian, is the, do you just use your real name? Yeah, yeah, man. I um, I went through a bunch of rap names. Oh, but... man. In the two thousand, any particularly embarrassing ones you can share? Oh yeah, well, yeah, be easy was one because they used to call me that in college. I did like college radio, so it was like you know, be e be easy, obviously. Art, my middle name is Artivis, which is like Greek or something. So I just did Art for a while, and that's all terrible, and it's all variations of my name, and so it was like, and I swear to God. Even before like the Kendrick thing, even before like Kendrick or Drake or like Jermaine Cole, like right before that wave hit, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go for I'm just going to be Brian Annals. And then like, yeah. boom, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So, yeah, I just I just go by, uh, um, you know, which which causes me to have to like hide my social media profiles. From my I, would, I, it's, I just have to say, like with all the incendiary things you say and you're in a culture that prizes uh, hiding behind pseudonyms like. It's, I'm not like worried for you. I'm just curious. Yeah. About I'm just place. waiting for the meeting at work. Like, oh, no, man, this, like this how do you really yell at the police? He yells at people in, the tra- in traffic. I don't think he like, I'm just like, come on, man. Just like when we're in Europe, you would just like try to fight people who are just acting up. I'm like, come on, man. Like we get, you know, I don't think Brad really gives a fuck. That's that's pretty clear, and it's to be respected. Um, like, Tariq, can I, can I ask you as as well? Is it like an infinite number of knives or infinite kinds of knives? No. So two reasons. It's funny. <laughs> and, no, no, for real. No. Okay. So my favorite, one of my favorite books. I, I read. I read a lot of. Book. I read a lot of books, like a lot of fantasy. I don't read anything else. But there's there is the, a book called uh, the Blade itself, and there's a there's a barbarian, and his name is Logan, and he always gets, you know, sort of trapped in these super, you know, predic- uh, super weird predicaments, but he always has a knife. And he's like, my father always said, you can't have too many knives, you know? And then right around as I was reading that book, um, there was a, a white YouTube rapper called Krispy Kreme, or, and then he changed it to Froggy Fresh. 
And he has a line that goes, even if you had infinity knives. And I was like, whoa. Let me just, you know, and that, that's that's where it came from. You know, so, so it's both an it. infinite number of knives and types of knives. I didn't see. I'm learning. Yeah, shit. yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, now it was just, it, it just it just ended up sticking. I thought it was funny, you know, and and that's where it is, you know. Right on, guys. I'm once, really glad. Once, once uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, no, go for it. Go for it. Complete the thought. What? Once I, uh, once I'm like, after this next record with Brian, I don't think I'm going to do any more hip hop. And uh, when I go into uh, more scoring into films and more classical stuff, I'm just going to go by my government. That's it. You know? Okay. Right on. Um, you know, uh, yeah. Thanks for explaining the uh, meaning uh, behind your guys' names. I want to pull it back to the album though, because um, that's what I've been sort of been obsessed with. Um, I read, I, I read, um, in one of the the scant interviews that you guys have done, that yeah. the pro the process of uh, you guys's you know work relationship is that at first Brian rejected a lot of these beats um, that 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 uh, uh, <laughs> that, that Tariq gave him. Um, can you? How do you guys find common ground, and and what is that process like? Well, it's like um, and, and you know, and on the flip side, like he'll reject writing too. Mm, and and mm. I, it, it just and it just goes to um, it's the friendship, and we're both like moderately passive people sometimes, but we're and we're honest. both like jokesters. Honest, yeah. yeah, and we're we're honest, and, and so it doesn't get to. We know we both have the same end goal, which is to make dope shit, mm. right? Um, and he knows if like a beat isn't working for me, that there's a reason for it. I'm not just being difficult, or I don't just want to rap over it. I know if he's telling me, "Hey, uh, you got to go back with this verse." I know it really ain't working. He's not going to tell me that the shit's hot. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, so it's just it's a back and forth. It's a give and take. It's a he had a, he had like a pack. I think one beat made. I think Melancholy Boogie, uh, which is one of the singles from the album, that was part of the first batch of beats he was playing me, and that obviously yeah, stuck. And that's that one of the stronger times, records. Yeah. There were some other ones that's like, ah, this just ain't it. You know what I mean? But he went back in, modified someone, whatever, and then came back and with like some fire. And, you know, that's when it happened when I wrote to a bunch of them. And it was like, ah, these rhymes ain't quite hot enough. So I had to go back. And then it's just a constant push and pull, man. You know, it's all love, though. Like, it's never, you know, I know with, with some people that may cause like friction, but it, it really never has with us. No bullshit. Like, it's always been, it's always, it's always pretty calm. We just want the best product. I think hmm. Brian is micro more, and then I'm more conceptual of, I see it more right. as an umbrella, and Brian is more microscopic about the sort of like, you know, sort of like where the beat comes in and what this, and then I'm more sort of, uh, I sort of sequence the, you know, but we still argue about that shit, you know, because I think at the end of King Cobra, we were both like, 
this sucks. Yeah, I definitely don't want to see his ass for a couple of weeks. No, for Yo, sure. no, we, no, we really <laughs> not to see each other after that. We're like, yeah, we can't hang out until we go on We did a break. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that shit, yeah. It was like two months. It was a, it was a little bit of time. They were, it released and people were like, oh, it's good. And we were like, oh, Brian, remember me, your best friend? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there can be no doubt to the quality of the record. I think it catches people that, by surprise. So fucking much. Yeah, dude, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a fucking really good record. Um, uh, Brian, I guess I, I don't know quite how to phrase this, so help me out if you catch my sure. drift. But like, we think of it as a political record. I don't know if you do. Are you trying to change people's minds? Are you just trying to express how you feel? Like, can you talk to us about the lyrical content and how you're addressing kind of modern society? Yeah, man. I mean, it's, um, I think it's important, you know, when making, I think what, you know, kind of separates like really classic rap albums from an album that might be good, but it's just like a string of songs as opposed to by your work is, you know, like a consistent worldview. And I think I decided, I don't know if this is conscious or subconscious, but I decided from the jump of this album, like the worldview was going to be my thoughts or maybe even an imaginary person's thoughts or what they want to do and, and, and how things are going right now. It's just, and I was telling this to somebody else in another one of the interviews we did. It's just, it just surprises me so much, even in mainstream hip hop with everything that's going on um, in this country specifically in the past five or six years that more people aren't addressing it. Um, in some form That's of fashion, true, yeah. you know, and, and so that that was just it. It was like it, it felt like a lane that a lot of people weren't touching. I didn't really want to make an album about like you know my day to day life. I don't think it's that fucking interesting. Mm. Um, but I thought these thoughts that I had about where we are at, you know, in the world and in society right now, would be something people could, if not relate to. I'm not trying to teach. Or even educate because you know I'm not I'm not breaking facts down or anything or telling He's people shit grumpy, they don't know. It's just a grumpy guy. You're a grumpy it's guy. just just a, yeah. That's it. It's, <laughs> just, it's just it's yeah. It's just it's just grumpiness. It's just frustration yeah. and anger at how shit is set up right now. I feel I like mean, everybody should feel like that if you're alive. To add to that too is just like we. I mean, like you know, we were we were pretty nerdy about it. You know, we were like out. You know, we. Like on, on top of his lyrics, you know, we we would sort of like try to pull different influences from film, and you know, I had to sort of study different um, production methods because I I produced it specifically for what he was saying. Mm. Does that make sense? Like I wasn't get, just giving him beats, you know. It was just kind of it was a uh, so I had to sort of see okay, like Boogie Down Productions, one of my favorite groups of all time, like. What were their limitations? What gear were they using? What were they saying? And how can I apply that to what Brian was saying? So, you know, when a beat cuts off, Brian is saying something a little more profound than him just sort of flexing a little bit. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, and I, Brian, I say this all the time, boxing is my favorite sport, but so I have to be the Castanato to the Tyson sort of situation. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, for I, sure. That, but that's what, that, going back to Brian's lyrics, it's sort of like, I had to put myself in the uh, uh, in a bit of a limitation of my heroes of what they were working with mm. um, for for him to re for for yeah. him to really like I don't know I don't know if that makes sense but that, that's what and, on, and on and on top of that it, it's honestly it's the shit me and Tyree talk about you know it's yeah. a, it's a big part of this us as friends and what we you know we shoot this shit about nonsense but a lot of times it's just 
our angry, grumpy feelings about whatever we see going on. So it's easy to bring that out around him and over this production because that's if we weren't you know, that, if that, we weren't on this podcast we right now, we'd be twirling our hair on the phone. Yeah, with our feet, you know what I mean, like laying on my with our feet, feet kind of like my toes. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we really do have like phone calls around this time at night, you know. Yeah, yeah, just shoot, yeah, I'm talking just shoot about shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, uh, thanks for breaking down the lyrical content portion of of the album. Um, you know, this, this one's for Tariq though. I from a produ- from a production standpoint, I love Neath the Willows Leaves. Um, how it just oh, kicks off the album. Thank you so and- much. Oh yeah. And I feel like it sort of disarms the listener because you're, you're not sh- exactly sure what you're getting yourself into. The, the vocals are so like haunting and beautiful. Um, break that down a little bit for us. Like what went into the making of that track and why you sort of chose for that to lead off the album? So it's like a really, I was literally just talking about this with, uh, so I, with my friend James, who I was just with, who is, is another composer here in Baltimore. And um, it's his, actually his wife or actually, sorry, ex-wife. And um, when Brian and I started the record, we were like, well, we wanted, this is going to sound really weird. We wanted it to be a country record, like an America country record. Mm-hmm. And that was sort of the beginning of that. And um, another thing too, is like, I really, um, I really fuck with Portishead. And that was sort of like the rip. Um, it was sort of like, uh, you know, my favorite, one of my favorite records of all time is third. So it was, uh, uh, the, the the descending sort of uh, arpeggio is uh is like a the, sort of a, a a thing from the rip, you know. Um, and okay. then Alice, Allison, um, amazing opera singer, one of my best friends, just got on it. And we, you know, I just I played the guitar a little bit, and she just got on. That's about yeah, it. He, oh, wow. sent, he, he sent me an acoustic guitar demo with him doing the yeah, you know, I did, doing I the did it on the phone. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah, yeah. he laid it down. So that's Tyreek. That's a Tyreek production, like writing wise, yeah, production yeah. wise, like the whole night. So thank you for breaking that down. That's so good. That's so good. I thought it was a thank sample you so much. first. No, no, no. Oh, no sample. Just uh yeah, yeah just yeah. uh this the uh, this motherfucker right here. <laughs> <laughs> Uncredited third member of the group. Yeah, um. yeah. No, no sample, yeah. Uh, guys, I love sampling. I can't sample. Oh, interesting. I do not know how to sample whatsoever. I'm gonna be thinking. I've tried, but it it always sounds like some like dip set beat, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Lost stabs. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, guys, we're kind of winding down here, but we just wanted to say, you know, thank you, and um, I really appreciate you talking about what's going on right now. I've heard the record for the first time right around when Roe v. Wade was being overturned and like just nothing was helping me process that anger and that sense (laughs) of kind of helplessness, like you kind of describing these things in such stark terms. And so um, we just, we just have to say it's incredible. You guys are really onto something. Um, if you do another one, send it to us before it comes out. And this is the uh, last absolutely. one. Last one we're coming <laughs> yeah. to. For real, last one. Yeah. All right. And also, open mic eagle. If you're listening to this, take us on tour on your next record. 
<laughs> we need to, we need some fucking shows here in the states. Okay, you know. Uh, but yeah, man. Hey, hey, appreciate the love. Yeah, thank um, you so appreciate much. You guys, like, you know, you guys have a great, you know, listener base. Obviously, um, so thank you for spreading it, man. Uh, we couldn't ask for more. Thanks right for listening. For Happy sure. to do our part and appreciate um, the shit. Yeah, man. Well, uh, just you guys keep doing what you're doing, and uh, we'll understand if you move on to other uh, topics and concerns. Oh, you can still, you can still watch my I got my first film um, uh, job today. Hey, congrats. This oh, is my sick, first dude. like feature film, you know, so wow. you'll, you'll still hear me Hell just yeah. under my okay. government. Okay, <laughs> cool. Word. Congrats. Y'all you know, be safe, yeah. man. You too. Continue yeah. success. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Take right, care, guys. Out, Thank y'all. you.